Welcome to the BMJ Podcast. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor here. And today, a new study on the BMJ.com tries to examine the effect of moderate drinking on brain structure. Now, we know that heavy drinking has a deleterious effect on our brains and is linked to various dementias. However, for some time, it's been thought that moderate drinking is actually protective. That protective effect has been seen across a range of conditions. Diabetes, stroke, even chronic pain is the classic U-shaped curve. However, as our methods improve, this apparent benefit becomes smaller and the latest weapon in the epidemiologist's arsenal, Mendelian randomization, doesn't seem to support those findings at all. So this is a background. Anna Topawala and her colleagues decided to study this further. They're trying to look at brain structure in a well-defined and well-studied cohort group to see if there's any association between alcohol consumption and some structural elements. Anya is a clinical lecturer in old age psychiatry at the University of Oxford. Anya, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Um, What prompted you to to start looking at this? Um, Why did you think that this this needed investigation? Well, I guess two um, main reasons. The first was that we thought it was a really important question because so many people in the UK and worldwide are now drinking uh, moderate amounts of alcohol. And the second was that we felt there was still a knowledge gap in this area in that Whilst there are a few epidemiological studies uh, examining alcohol consumption and cognitive decline or dementia, there aren't that many which have looked at um, neuroimaging outcomes. And those that there have been have been quite conflicting in their results and there have been some methodological limitations. And so we really didn't feel that there was a kind of convincing neural correlate for any protective effect of moderate alcohol consumption. Mm. And is that what um, the neuroimaging is really good at, is trying to, to work out why this effect might be seen? Yes, I guess it's one tool which obviously you can use in vivo um, to examine what might be going on in the brain to underlie any um, or explain any effect on cognition. Mm, mm. Um now, if we sort of delve into the paper a bit more, you've been looking at the structure of the brain, obviously, as you've just said, and relating that to, to alcohol consumption. So how was it that you, you measured those two things? Well, alcohol consumption, we had information on uh, this special group of people in the Whitehall 2 cohort, a remarkable data set, if you like, going mm. back 30 years. And Um, these individuals had self-reported their alcohol consumption at seven time points, approximately five yearly intervals over the study. So that was how we looked at um, uh, alcohol intake. And then in terms of the brain structure, we used multimodal magnetic resonance imaging. And in this study, we talk about the structural images, which are good for looking at the gray and uh, matter and white matter contrast mm. and diffusion tensor imaging which is a type of imaging where you can make inferences about the integrity of white matter tracks in the brain mm. so those were the two types that we used here yeah and so 
your initial sort of scan, you were looking at um, grey matter, and then you sort of zoomed in further and decided to to look at hippocampus volume. So, what what prompted that? Why those two structures? Yes. Well, initially we we took a kind of hypothesis free approach and um, using something called voxel based morphometry, and this is where you can look across the brain at the grey matter in each voxel, which is a kind of 3D pixel, if you like, mm. um, 3D volume of the brain. So at each point uh, within the brain, was there a relationship with alcohol consumption? And when we did that, the, t- the regions that kind of struck us immediately stood out as being associated with alcohol consumption with the hippocampi. Um, now, clearly, we uh, hippocampi are associated with memory function and early Alzheimer's disease. And so we then looked a little deeper and sought to confirm this association uh, using two post hoc methods where we looked specifically at the volume of the hippocampi and the visual atrophy of them to see if we could confirm the findings we'd um, got from the, the hypothesis-free approach that we took initially mm. and um if we just take a pause there for uh people like me who may not have um looked at brain structure or, or read about neurology for a while um <laughs> uh you've mentioned a bit about what the hippocampi do but you know what, what what's their function what um sure their the key function is thought to be in in memory specifically verbal memory and also spatial navigation and as I mentioned earlier, it's one of the kind of early regions to become atrophied in Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. There's, there's other causes of hippocampal atrophy, but that's the kind of big thing. And so uh, is there any you know, evidence that um, a change in volume, specifically as opposed to sort of structural changes within it, um, have a, a, a measurable cognitive effect? Um, yes, there are some studies that show um, an association between hippocampal volume and memory function. And in fact, we were able to demonstrate that in our sample. Um, and these are people without dementia diagnosis, it was sort of from the community. And we found that um, the, the larger, there was an association between larger hippocampal volume and better verbal memory in particular. Right, okay, great. Um, now, uh, you also mentioned in there that um, you were perhaps trying to look at amygdala volume, um, but it was actually quite hard to measure and, and inconclusive yeah. because of that. Uh, was that an outcome that you'd have particularly liked to have been able to examine? Yes, I think the amygdala findings are interesting. Um, these came up on the voxel-based morphometry analysis that I mentioned earlier, where mm. we looked across the brain, and it appeared that the amygdala were also um, inversely associated with alcohol consumption, but it was tricky to sort of examine that further for various technical reasons. Um, and it would have been interesting because in the animal literature, certainly the amygdala have been um, implicated in alcohol abuse. Your study also did a sort of a range of um, measures of of cognitive ability. Um, mm-hmm. What was the point of those? Were you, uh, what were you trying to, to understand there? Yeah, so um, there, were an, an, there were three different memory tests we looked at that had been done over the, the duration of the study, 25, 30 years. And then there was an expanded cognitive battery we did at the time of the brain scan. 
and we were really trying to examine the question was did alcohol uh, consumption or could alcohol consumption predict people's cognitive performance or cognitive decline over the study mm. okay um so I mean, I suppose here we should say, uh, what was it that you found? What what was your kind of um, the outcome of of all the various scans? So, firstly, we found no evidence for any protective effect of moderate alcohol consumption, and furthermore, we actually found um, associations with smaller hippocampal volume and visually rated atrophy of the hippocampi, and Additionally, increased alcohol consumption was associated with reduced white matter integrity across the brain, but particularly in the corpus callosum, the major white matter tract in the brain. And finally, those drinking more heavily um, experienced a faster decline in lexical fluency, so one of the cognitive tests um, across the study, but not in the other tests we looked at. Right. So yeah, you've mentioned a little bit about the, the cohort that's involved in this, and it's the, the Whitehall 2 study. So that's this group of civil servants. Um, and in the UK, civil servants are usually tertiary educated. And I know that education has a protective effect towards um, dementia and things. So I'm just wondering how representative do you think your cohort here is for maybe the population in general and if there's anything specific about their makeup that might have actually affected your outcomes yes i think it's a good point um this is a very special and unusual cohort and uh, full of very dedicated people who've given up a lot of their time over 30 years Mm -hmm. um but as you mentioned they are not necessarily representative of the wider uk population i think the mean education was something like 14 years in this sample we looked at Mm. they're relatively well educated relatively middle class they have a higher proportion of men and not many ethnic minorities Mm. and that kind of really reflects the civil service in the mid-1980s which is when they were recruited yes so this group of people in some ways um you would predict might have lower rates of cognitive impairment or dementia because they've relatively healthy and they're doing all the sorts of things that they should be doing like exercising well and you know keeping mentally active um so in some ways you might expect them to experience less cognitive decline than than other individuals in the population but even given that we've still found these effects on brain uh, structure and brain function mm, so the relative effect there still stands um now if you sort of take a step back from all of this, um, how is it that alcohol might be affecting the, the various brain structures you've talked about and and maybe the campus volume specifically? Um, is that a direct mechanism or is it working through some, some different action? I think that's a really interesting question and something that's very difficult to answer at the moment. We simply don't know. In people that have been drinking you know, heavily over long periods of time, we know that alcohol can be directly neurotoxic and also the association with thiamine deficiency um, can mediate some brain damage. But in the case of, you know, light to moderate Mm. drinking, as we have here, we really don't know, um, as this is one of the first studies to find an association. Um, Again, you know, in other studies of heavier drinking, you know, inflammation and other pathways are starting to become implicated, but 
it's an open question at the moment, an interesting one, but I am, I'm not sure. There seems to be perhaps a difference between people who um, binge drink uh, and who drink sort of consistently at a at a low level. Overall, their unit intake might be similar, but um, you know, obviously, their pattern of drinking mm-hmm. um, is different. Were you able to look at that or or see if there was any effect there? Mm. I think that's a really interesting question, and certainly in other spheres or in alcohol dependent people, it's thought that you know, binge binge drinking may be more harmful. Unfortunately, we weren't able to ask that question with this study because we just simply didn't have the data across the 30 years um, to, to answer whether, you know, binge drinking was worse than consistent drinking. Mm, sure. Um, well, as you say, this is this is an initial study, so, um, so hopefully uh, that's an area for future research. Um, Absolutely. No, I suppose the the question that that people who um, m- might be reading about this will wonder is, you know, what can what does this actually mean for me? Um, what does this yeah. mean for my, you know, moderate drinking? Given that we know there is a protective effect for, say, cardiovascular disease, um, and uh-huh. and there was this idea that there's maybe a, a, a small protective effect, um, a U-shaped curve for for mm. dementia as well uh do you think this study sort of undoes that or or calls that into question or, or or what do you think um yeah i think it does call that into question i mean clearly this is one study it's an observational study um but at the same time i think it's very difficult to ask these kind of questions without an observational study because you can't you know randomize people to drinking over long periods of time which is probably what's necessary if there is a damage going on to the brain Mm. Um, but I think it does uh, raise a question mark over the the J-shaped curve for brain structural cognition at least Um, my personal suspicion is that um, the studies that have shown a protective effect have been due to confounding by you know, higher IQ or socioeconomic status, which we know um, means people are more likely to drink frequently. Mm. But um, as you say, this is the first study that's really shown this and we need further research to clarify this. You've been listening to Anya Topawala discuss the paper Moderate Alcohol Consumption as a Risk Factor for Adverse Brain Outcomes and Cognitive Decline, a Longitudinal Cohort Study, which is now available open access on bmj.com If you've enjoyed this interview and want to hear more subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts we're most places now You can also find our full back catalogue on SoundCloud That's years of podcast content all available for free Just search for BMJ Talk Medicine Thanks for listening